0: You're my firm foundation. I put my hope in Your holy word. I put my hope in Your holy word. I have a living hope. I have a future. God has a plan for me. Of this I'm sure. Of the sun, sure, Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I
1: know I can stand secure.
0: Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I put my hope in your holy word. I put my hope in your holy word. Your word is faith. this I'm sure, Jesus, you're my firm foundation, I know I can stand secure, Jesus, you're my firm foundation, I put my hope in your holy word, I put my hope in your holy word, I put my hope in your holy holy I put my hope in your holy word. Amen. Amen. Who has held the oceans in his hand? Who has numbered every grain of sand?
2: That you would continue to guide us in this service and, and uh, guide our hearts and minds towards you, Lord. We uh, thank you for the good news regarding Bernice's uh, surgery, and we ask that you would continue to be with her and be with others who are facing illnesses. We ask that you would heal them from those, Lord. We ask that you would be with folks who are traveling this week during their uh, break from school. We ask that you would keep them safe, watch over them, Lord. We ask that you would um, guide us in the in the living that we do here. This earth, we ask that you would keep us focused on you, and that you would uh, allow us to live in a way that would please you. We're thankful for those who bring the gospel to others uh, throughout the world. We're thankful for the way that Habitat for Humanity works here locally and and in so many regions, uh, sharing the love of Christ by bringing uh, security uh, to people who are um, who are facing difficulty with regard to housing. And making that uh, available to them and showing your love in that process. Lord, we thank you for the strong community we have here that supports that group. We ask that you would continue to bless them as they work to um, bring that blessing to others here. Lord, again, we ask that you would continue to watch over us and guide us through this service and throughout the week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, as we're preparing for our communion time, with our lord uh, we're going to do this song a little bit different it's, it's not going to be terribly different but we're going to sing the verses all together at the beginning and then the chorus at the end
0: one day when heaven was still with his praises one day when sin was as black as could be Jesus came, Jesus came forth, forth to, to be born, born of a virgin, dwelt among, among men, my example is he. One day they led him up Calvary's mountain, one day they nailed him to die on the tree.
1: Sins. my Redeemer is he. One day they left Him alone in the garden.
0: One day He rested from suffering from free. Angels came down on to His tomb to keep vigil. Hope of the heart One day the brave
1: lord's supper Um, when i was growing up as a child i always wondered why there was only two elements we have one that's the bread for the body the cup for washing our sins away there's nothing for resurrection over here and it bothered me for the for a long long time and uh and it just happened to be alan decides to be out of town And asked me to teach class. And what am I going to teach on? The resurrection. (laughs) And so when I start thinking about the events that, you know, leading up to his death, burial, and resurrection. um, Our hope and the love that God has showed through us is through the end result that happened. Knowing that one day we're going to go. And be raised again to be with God. And um, and I think it's, you know, when we look at our faith and we look at uh, the things we do in life and how we interact with people and the examples we set for our own families, and, you know, we come here on a Sunday morning to gather around this table. And during that time, we're in like mind. And, uh, and I think it's a really um, crucial thing that we do. And uh, all across this nation of ours, across the world, people are gathering around the table to commune and remember Christ. They've not seen the same songs. They're not reading the same scriptures. They're not listening to the same preacher. And, <laughs> but the one thing that is common is this right here. And so I think there is a lot of importance that we need to make sure we focus on here. And the resurrection is the one thing I was wanting to kind of focus on today. I'm reading 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 54. When the perishable has been clothed, and the imperishable, and the mortal with immorality, then they're saying, It is written, will come truth. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, as we gather around this table and we come together unified with one another, with all believers, that we can focus on the death, burial, and resurrection of your son and the importance of this event showing the the most unbelievable amount of love that can be poured out from you to us, that we take this bread. Thank you so much for your son. and pray in Christ's name. Amen.
3: But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ. We are of all people most to be pitied.
1: Pray. Fathers, we come before you again before your throne. Again, we want to just want to bestow our love for you because of what you have done for us through your son and the blood that was spilled on the cross that washed away our sins and the forgiveness that comes from that. It is just no words that we can say to really say thank you for what has been given to us. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.
3: But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in turn, Christ, the firstfruits, then, when he comes, those who belong to him.
1: As we are coming kind of closer to the end of our discernment uh, process and and uh, us setting our budget for this coming 2020 uh, physical year, we run from April 1st through March 31st. Um, as the, the deacons in each one of their areas of, of uh, ministry that they work with, we always have a, a dream. And uh, we spend time in prayer. We look at the things that, that's needed here and, and needed to, to give for, to this church, to uh, further his word. There's many, many areas. And then there's these other things that we think, oh, these may be important. But I think sometimes God tells us, no, you need to focus somewhere else. And uh, every year since we have done this process in this order... Um, I, it's, I just can't believe when we come to that last day to look at the numbers and we look at it and it tells us that God tells us. I mean, it is in a stern message. What last year, eighty dollars or something like? What? No, we were over the year before was eighty dollars. This last year we had extra funds, and so guess what? We're going to pay down our debt, and so we have done that in the extent of about eleven eleven thousand uh, dollars with that extra money that has been given through y'all and so i think it's a true blessing but remember that we're in that process we're still looking at areas where we can uh, um, do some different things and improve uh, what we have at this building and and, uh, and going into our missionaries uh, let's pray my father thank you so much for all our material things that we have uh, but sometimes we need to step back and realize that what we have is because of you and that we need to use it for your glory. Just be with each and every one of us that we can give from our heart. And the joy that we feel by, by doing so. And pray in Christ's name. Amen. This morning we also have a chance, our little ones, to give to their ministry. And uh, I think it's just so neat to see the monies we hear that go to, the, to help with uh, Hope for Haiti. And I uh, think it's awesome. Oh, are you ready? You're ready. There, after this, they will go to Praise Kids and Stage 2.
2: would please let's stand for this song. (coughs) You give life, you are love,
0: you bring light to the darkness, you give hope. Your bro.
4: Scripture reading today is Acts 1, 6 through 11. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Thank
5: you, Randy. I want to just very quickly tell you that the trip to Argentina, Buenos Aires, was a great success. Um, I read with 12 different individuals, anywhere from uh, one time in that two-week period all the way up. I had folks that came back four different times to continue the conversation. Uh, you're going to be hearing more about it. Um, just one of, the, one of the greatest mission efforts as foreign mission efforts I, in my lifetime, have ever been a part of. Um, And and I just want to say, anybody can do it. Anybody can make an impact for the gospel, investing two weeks. ...in doing a Let's Start Talking mission. And we're going to be talking more about it that as things move forward. So I spent two weeks in, in Argentina, Buenos Aires. And then I had two days, not quite two days, but I had 36 hours with our missionary Lindsay Phillips... ...in uh, Porto Alegre, um, Argen- uh, Bo- Brazil. and uh, And that was the language shift that I was talking about... ...having been surrounded by Spanish for two weeks and then suddenly thrust into Portuguese... I just want to tell you, great things are going on there. Uh, I realize that many of them are just preparatory to when the the actual Hope House will be given. And and make no mistakes, the money is there. The will is there. Um, The city is holding up the process with some permitting issues. And you need to be praying specifically that the city and the engineers for Porto Alegre... Will, and the politicians let's just be real honest, the politicians will release that permit so that they can finish the construction. I got to visit the the rehab farm where the the men that will be coming to populate this will be, and that was a remarkable experience. Good things are going on there and and just it, you you visit that place and you kind of catch a vision of of the way and again, the last statement, if you can see it. Portuguese. I, I confirmed this translation. If I botch it, it's just because I messed it up. But restoring lives to change, to to impact the world, restoring lives to impact the world. And uh, if any of you have had anyone in your family who's had uh, drug or alcohol addictions, and you have seen them be able to recover, and know the struggle it is to really recover and to get back into a productive life. You know how valuable that can be. There are very few places in the world that that's a bigger issue than in Brazil. And uh, this is just one little seed that if we get the permitting, permits going, um, every time Lindsay goes around the corner and meets with another group of people that want to know about what they're doing, they, all they say is, we can't wait to replicate what you're doing. You need to show us how, and we want to replicate it all over this country. I think those are good things, and I think you can feel very good about what you're doing to support Lindsay in that effort, and, and, uh, and again, I ask you to pray for what's going on there. I want to ask a couple of volunteers to come up, if you don't mind, and uh, Hutch, in a minute I'm going to want you to zoom in a little bit, but uh, I want Josh and Natalie to come up, I think uh, they're both here, yeah, come on up guys, hurry, hurry, hurry. So if you, if you have had experiences that tell you what the, this is, please don't blurt it out, because that will ruin the illustration. Got it? Okay, I'll come to you over there. All right. touch. can you zero in on that? Is that? Can you get anywhere close to that? Okay, I know some of you know what this is. You've had some experiences in the, in the world, but do you guys know what this is? Huh? It is a ball. Very good, but that's not good enough. What might you do to find out what it is? Open it? Hmm? Open it? You might open it, yes. Does it open? No, it doesn't open, does it? You want to? Do you get any closer to knowing what it is by doing that? But let me ask you this Do you know that it's real in the process of moving it from my hand to your hand? It's not a trick, is it? It's a real thing, correct? And one of the ways that we discover that something is real is we don't just look at it two-dimensionally on a screen. And we've done that before, right? But eventually, for something to be real, we don't just read about it, we don't just look at it, we want to not just see it, you want to touch it. Why are you being so reticent to do that? There we go. All right, can we give Josh and Natalie a big round of applause? For those of you who've been in the British Commonwealth anywhere, what is this? This is called a cricket ball, and the game of cricket is probably the Commonwealth's uh, version of... It's a version of baseball. In reality, let's be sure and do it the other way. Baseball seems to be an adaptation of the older sport called cricket. Um, I I got to play this when I was in Australia. I do need you to know that I got this ball in 1975. It is dated uh, quite a bit. And and I discovered in getting ready for the sermon, they've done something terrible. The traditional cricket ball is red with white laces. In visibility, they have now made a white ball with red laces. Can you believe that they would do such a terrible thing? Um, Anybody want to be sure it's real? I know those people can catch Very good. Jesus loved to tell stories, but in reality, when he headed on the road to Emmaus, when he encountered those men that Peter did such a great job of kind of bringing us into focus on, it's not a story, it's not a myth, it's not a fairy tale. It was a real journey to a real place with real people. And when they encountered him, they discovered... And in reality, I think in reality. And they discovered that the, the veracity of how real he was when they sat down to eat. And my guess is that was the moment where they touched hands, that we served food and handed food to each other. I want to continue the, the testimony that Luke gives uh, following that road to Emmaus. So if you'd open your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, you could read along there or turn your phones that direction, but let's look at this passage. The two from Emmaus got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. Not a short journey, pretty good ways to go. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true! The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened. and This is an important phrase and Luke wants you to hear this. They were startled and frightened because they thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is my, I myself. So again, this language of he himself appeared and I myself isn't just about the idea that Jesus was alive, but it is the doubt that he was a real physical being that he wants to be sure and affirm to them. Doubts arise in your minds. Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones. As you see, I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still really did not believe, didn't fully trust in what their senses were telling them, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it, and again, in their presence, he ate it. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. Skipping down a little bit. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Won't you to join me in prayer. Our Father and our God, we want to thank you for this day to be gathered together. Father, in, in a sort of a unique way today, I'm glad that this, is, this isn't some sort of forum on Facebook or some sort of Skyped-in conference but that we're here. And although there are people that are watching us across the Internet, uh, the full experience is about being here, physically touching the bread and the cup, making it part of us. Father, we want to pray that you would open our eyes to the many ways in which the reality of the resurrection of Jesus changes not only the hope we have for eternity, but it changes the hope we have for today. And that what we do today impacts the way we look at hope and our faith in the ministry of Jesus, in the here and now. Father, forbid that we would be Christians who are simply sitting around waiting for eternity to come. Because you've called us to be kingdom. Here, today, and now. And using Luke's words in flesh and bone. I pray that your spirit would come and would speak. And in speaking, we would be changed. It's in the name of the one who lives today at your right hand side. That we all pray and we all say, Amen. I want to take you back, kind of the beginning of where we started this series, a uh, series of, of scriptures, and I think this one kind of sums it up. God has given us new birth. Amen? New birth through the waters of baptism because of what Jesus did on the cross and what Jesus did out of the tomb, coming out of the tomb. He has given us new birth into a living hope. Not a hope that's static, not a hope that's just waiting on something, not a hope that can't do anything until we finally get to death or maybe Jesus comes back before we die, but a living hope that's a day-to-day, hour-to-hour, relationship-to-relationship kind of hope that changes us. And if it changes us, Jesus' intention is that it will change the people around us. Amen? Amen. And so I just want to stack up a few things right quickly here. And and I'm going to... Some of you will say, Alan never talks really fast. But I'm going to do my best to talk fairly fast at this point because I want to get through this. So we started with the reality that God created. And what God created was a physical, real world. And that when he looked at the physical, real world that he created... He didn't say, I'm sure glad I put some good spirit into that because otherwise it would be worthless. He looked at what he created, not just the universe, not just the planet Earth, but there's a special way in which Genesis 1 comes together and the way Genesis 2 is told that says, No, these beings that I'm called humankind, the male and female that come together to reflect the image of God in the, say it with me, flesh, are Now say the last word with me, good. Secondly, let's add another thing to that. Paul will use the phrase that it isn't just you and me that are waiting on this great salvation, this great hope, but it is all of creation. All of creation. Even the inanimate things that we see in creation are waiting for God to renew them because sin and brokenness has affected the entire universe. And all creation is waiting, and the rest of the sentence says, for the children of God to be revealed. They're waiting for us to get on board with what God is doing. Their hope is that God will use us to bring a great restoration. And, of course, we will never get fully to what God will complete, but we are supposed to be pointing in that direction for all of creation. That means my neighbor next door... But it also means the stuff that I touch in this world. All creation eagerly waits. I don't ever look at the stones in my yard and think that they're eager about anything. Except to cost me a lot of money because there aren't any stones in this part of the world. But something's eagerly waiting. And then that great proclamation. A proclamation that Isaiah sees in advance. And then John then repeats as some of the last words that God speaks in the entire Bible. Behold, look, I am making all things new. Now, I don't know, but when I look at Romans and when I look at that statement, I don't think that it's just me that's being made new, but that all things in that good creation are, are going to be made new at some point in the future. Let's stack up one more point here. God will make all things new. Somebody say amen. And when Paul says that you and I, and and it's not will be new creation, but says we are new creation. Can you say that with me? We are new creation. In fact, I want you to say it one more time, except for I want it to be an I. I am (laughs) New creation. That means that what God's going to finally bring together in that great and glorious day, when, as Randy read from First Corinthians 15, when death is swallowed up, when death is swallowed up, something great, wonderful, and completely new will begin again. But that right now, you and I are agents and pointers towards what will be. You are new creation. I'm sorry, but that's a different kind of hope than sitting around and saying, oh, I just can't wait for Jesus to come back again. By the way, am I hopeful and excited about Jesus coming back again? But that's not all that true, biblical, living hope is about. It seems that um, the New Testament, even inside the New Testament, there seems to be a concern that we're we're not getting the idea of, of exactly the nature of the resurrection. Not all of the resurrection accounts will include so many details about how physical Jesus was. Luke does. And I would say to you what we read from Luke chapter 24, and then note that the same author, Luke chapter 24, is the one who writes Acts chapter 1, which Randy Fry read for us so well, wants to point us towards so many tangible things that say, look how real he was. I want to compare those two verses right quick. One from Luke 24. A ghost does not have flesh and bone. Now I have a feeling that if you and I were writing it today, we would say something like a ghost doesn't have flesh and oh come on you you know this phrase flesh and blood we talk about blood all the time flesh and blood Luke in his world and wanted to be sure that Jesus said it this way flesh and bone a ghost doesn't have flesh and bone a ghost doesn't have this stuff where's my cricket ball you coming. Make no mistakes, that was more about throw than it was about catch. (laughs) He was real. And Luke seems to spend a lot of time in the final chapter of that first book, Luke, telling us how real the resurrected Jesus was. Acts wants to go another step. Luke records the ascension at the end of 24 and then he brings it back again, emphasizing it, even with more particular words, to tell us. Not only was the resurrected Jesus flesh and bone, but the ascended Jesus was flesh and bone. I'm going to carry you on a very quick journey that may be disorienting. The ascended Jesus was flesh and bone, The ascended Jesus today, 2,000 years later, is still flesh and bone at the right hand of the Father. And what what did the two guys in white, what did the two guys in white say? That when he returns, it will be just as he left. Uh, so many things happen between the planning of what we sing and and the, the, the realization of a sermon. But the opening song today, did you hear the phrase, I know not why the Savior came. And then there's several verses where we do, I know not how, I know not how, I know not how. Make no mistakes. After 56 years of living in this flesh and bone and watching it degenerate over all that time and feeling it every morning when I get up, and please, the rest of you who are two decades older than me, don't say, just wait, it's going to be worse. (laughs) I don't know how the flesh and bones of Jesus are still there 2,000 years later, and I don't know how it gets from earth to what we'll call heaven, and I don't know how it's going to get back here. But it seems to me that Luke wants us to understand the point that when he comes back, it will be in, say it with me, flesh and bone. You may ask the question, why does Luke, and and by the way, if you want to know the other gospel writer who really works hard on making sure we know it's flesh and bone, it's John. And forgive me for this little technical thing. But when you date the writing of the Gospels, the earliest is an argument between Mark and Matthew, and if you think it's Mark, you're wrong, it's Matthew. (laughs) Luke, significantly later, probably two decades later. And John, probably another two decades after that. And as you journey through those stories, what you see is making sure that when we read the resurrection story, we are reading the story of a physical being. Because there were theories in the first century. There was a philosopher, you've heard of him before, Plato. Plato generated a worldview that said that there are two things in, in our existence there is the spirit world and there is the flesh world. And what he said was, in reality, those two things cannot touch, they can't be together, they are separate. It's called dualism. And that was a reality that he felt like was true for people. And and, and let's be sure and say, my thoughts and my imaginations, my spirit seemed to, to lift me higher than my flesh and bones. Right? And so he had some ideas that were right. But God, from the very beginning, from Genesis 1, said the flesh and bone part is good as well as the spirit, the image of God part, is also good. But it's good and it's together. Plato said in his dualistic view of humanity that the spirit is good and always good. The flesh is bad. And we would agree with him, the flesh has its problems. Amen? But he wanted to separate those two things rather than the biblical view which is they are together. And if you didn't believe it, they come together in Jesus Christ. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones, he will come back exactly that way. If it's not flesh and bone, what difference does it make? Within the first two centuries of Christianity... The major concern for not understanding the truth about who Jesus was, therefore the truth of the gospel, were, have been um, systematized. We, we probably understand them better in these categories than they did at that time. And it's not important that you know these categories, except if you want to look it up, you can. They were called Gnostics and Docetics. Gnostics and Docetics. Gnostics wanted to simply make the reality of Christ only about spirits, all about what you want to know. Hear how that plays into Plato's idea that it is the spirit only that's good, and if I can make my spirit good with God, then the rest of it doesn't matter. The Docetics went into great detail about trying to explain that that there was a baby inside Mary's womb, and when it was born, the Spirit spirit of God kind of came on and of course, they had arguments as well, whether it came on at birth or came on at the baptism. But they were real clear about this, that at some point when Jesus said, into my hands I commit my spirit on the cross, that the spirit left him because the spirit cannot die. And then when he, res- he resuscitated in that spirit and that came back together, docet- docetism, And the church fought hard and what we can see actually in the writings of Luke and John is that already we're needing to tell the story in a more precise way so that we understand the flesh and bone. And it wasn't just a theoretical argument because that kind of teaching led to a different way of living. Two quick points if I can. First of all, The idea of Emmanuel God with us is diminished in meaning and power if Jesus is not flesh and bone from the moment of conception through His death on the cross in the grave, in the tomb and resurrected. It doesn't mean as much. It has lost its power because The reason you and I are looking forward to a resurrection is that the same flesh and blood that Jesus was made up was raised by God, reanimated by God, and you and I look forward to a day when the resurrection will be a reality for us. Amen? But it's not just about end things. Jesus lived, worked, toiled, sweated, stubbed his toe, struggled with his flesh, and its weakness, and its brokenness, just like you and I do, except that it never led him to sin. And that sense of God like us, God with us, God chose to experience that, has great meaning for each of us when we struggle. And when you think, well, Jesus really never really had to deal with temptation, you're not reading your New Testament maybe more than you did. And if not, after his baptism, then go to the garden before the cross and you will see a Jesus who sweat blood, who sweat water and blood because of what he was struggling with in his flesh. Secondly, if you can separate flesh and spirit, and I think you've probably already picked up on this, you have permission to see morality and ethics in a different light. You see, if I can just make my spirit clean, if I can just know the right facts and think the right things, then I don't need to worry about how I live. And there was a time in the church that I grew up in that I think maybe we emphasize knowing the right things and doing the right things, uh, doing the right worship practices so much that we maybe left out a little bit of how you live in the world today. And when you can say that all you got to do is have your spirit right, but it doesn't matter how you live today, then you can degrade almost everything that God said, here is who you need to be as my people. How does Jesus say it? greatest command is to love the Lord your God, and you can't accomplish that without flesh and bone loving each other. That's a critical element. Presence matters. Have you ever thought being there wasn't that big a deal? I'll just FaceTime in. I'll just send a text. I'll just... You know what's interesting is, is we write text and emails. I have the physical letters that my great-grandfather wrote to my great-grandmother as he was wooing her. Mama and Papa Tackett. And if they just sent text back and forth, I'd never have that. And I realize that notes themselves are not flesh and blood, but do you see how it goes in degrees? An ethereal message into a physical message already has more meaning, doesn't it? And don't we wish for those? Don't we long for those? But even more, your physical presence, your physical ministry makes a difference. Do you need to know the right words to say to somebody? And I would say, maybe. But I will promise you, if you need the right words, the Spirit will give you what you need. But more than that, the ministry of your presence. And by the way, we always think of that in times of struggle and suffering. And and it's been this neat testimony that Jack uh, Skinner has reached out to all of us and said, "We, we want your presence with us, not just your kind notes. The kind notes are great, but your presence means something. But it's not just in struggles, you see. It's in celebrations, isn't it? How many grandparents here? When that grandbaby turns one, where are you? You are there, baby. Just let you know, there are Sundays that I miss because I'm going to be with my grandbabies to celebrate those kinds of things. I don't know how I'm not going to do it. But if they're baptized and I can be there, I'm going to be there. We have changed some of the traditions about way, ways we baptize people here. We invite you to come forward. We want you to be a part. I've always thought I want a baptistry that when we come, go into the water and come out of it, you feel the drops of water on you because presence and physical things matter. Some of you who were involved in the design of this building know that for a little while, I was really trying to get us a baptistry right down here. And they just kept telling me, you can't do that, you can't do that. I said, we can if we want to. And then they said it costs too much money. And then I said, okay. <laughs> Flesh and blood makes a difference. Nearness over distance And touch matters so, so much. I I don't have time to tell you both stories. So I'm going to retell you the Helen Brown story. Make no mistakes. Helen Brown understood the ministry of presence. She in her own life would walk up and down the halls of, of Jackson Village to visit people, to shake hands with them, to check on them. But my ministry to her was not complete unless I was in her Unless I was in her, which meant tea in the afternoon, typically. But it really came to an head when she was in the hospital in the last days and last hours of her life. Some of you may remember, you may have been there. We were doing a Sunday night uh, event, and and Donna Marie called and said, Alan, she really needs you to be here and I can't remember who, it may have been you, Randy, said, I'll, I'll finish for you because you need to go. And I showed up exactly the way she wanted me to. I showed up in my suit and my tie. <laughs> and I don't know why, and I'm not that important, but she wanted me there personally before she left this world. We shared communion together. I want you to know we didn't talk about Bread and cup, we held it in our hands and we took it into our bodies. And within an hour of taking communion, she had transitioned from the struggle of this life into the rest of the next. Waiting on the day when Helen Brown would rise and not have a bit of trouble (laughs) breathing. When Helen Brown would rise and would stand up. And I know enough about her early story to want to dance a little bit with that body. Don't ever say, Oh, my coming won't make any difference. Sometimes your coming makes all the difference in the world. In the same way that God chose to save us by coming. And my living hope is that he's coming again. And when I reach out to touch him, it's not going to be grasping at nothing take his hand. I'm going to pull him close and I'm going to hug him and he's going to hug me back and maybe just maybe he even lifts me up because he's so overjoyed to see me and you. That's the living hope that the Bible points us to and the only way to it is through Jesus. I ask you to come as we stand and as we sing. A
0: oh, wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord, O oh, wonderful Savior to me. He, he hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock, rock where rivers of pleasure I see. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock, rock that and shadows the bright thirsty land. The depths His love, and comforts me there with His hand, and comforts me there with His hand.
2: Please be seated.
6: okay uh, i want to thank everybody for being here especially our visitors and we have some young ladies here with some bread that uh, we would like to pass out to the visitors uh, to show our appreciation for them being here so if, as they go by raise your hand let them know you know our scripture reading earlier talked about if there has been no resurrection that uh, everything we do here is is useless really and I, but i think we can all agree that uh you know, we don't believe that Alan is useless and, and, and that there has really been a resurrection here. So um, a couple of announcements I want to make. I, I incorrectly last week said that uh, Bill Lewis was going to be talking about Habitat this week. And it, it's still next week, though. So, and, and I'm glad that some people even mentioned that to me, so it means you're listening to me. So... But there is no life group to this today or th- this week, unless your life group has uh, mentioned that they would be meeting. <clears throat> I also want to mention there's a sign-up sheet for bringing uh, dishes to Prime in the foyer. And um, in prayer requests here, I have a couple of uh, uh, things I want to mention. Um, I did uh, meet Mark uh, McCoy. Who is the son of Jean and Royce McCoy, and he's here this morning, actually. And he gave me a couple, a little bit of updates here. He mentioned that uh, that Jean uh, is out of the hospital now. It mentions that she is in the hospital, um, but she is out. And I would like to to actually maybe say a, at this time a special prayer for for the for the McCoys. And I see Alan is talking to him right now. Uh, um, if we could. Uh, I was just saying, I, I think it, at this time, I'd like to offer a special prayer for the McCoys. And uh, um, if, if I, I didn't mention this to Mark earlier, but if those people are around Mark, could just stand with him and, and uh, put, let him know that uh, feel your presence and, and stuff here at this point. Because, um, you know, he did mention that Gene is out of the hospital, but that Royce is, is really a little bit worse there. So um, I, if we could offer a special prayer at this time. Father, we want to recognize you as the provider of all things and able to do everything. We ask that uh, you be with the McCoy family at this time especially. Provide them the strength, both physical and and spiritual, that that they need at this time. We ask that you provide them the peace that only you can give and be with Royce in particular at this point and and, uh, uh, as he is... Uh, not doing very well, we ask that He uh, you fill your presence also and and have that peace that you can only give. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I don't want to mention uh, also other people here on the prayer list that, that we talked about earlier. Bernice Skinner had a liver and kidney transplant. There are a couple of additions that I just got here. Um, Siobhan York's aunt uh, Barbara Traybig passed away in Houston recently, and there's going to be a funeral on Tuesday of this week. And that uh, Tracy Roberts uh, is is having some health issues too. Um, and that is... Uh, so let us go to prayer at this point. For her. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for all the many blessings that you've given us and recognize you as, as our creator. We uh, pray that you be with us in the coming week here. Be with those that we've mentioned in the prayer list. Uh, let them fill your presence at, in their lives at this time and, and uh, be with them. Father, we uh, thank you for uh, Alan's returning to us here, and we ask that uh, the work that he did in, in Latin America be fruitful and, and bear much fruit. Um, we ask also that you be with us in the coming week, and we reckon, we thank you for sending your Son who died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
1: And, well. Okay, we're going to do something a little special, and let me read uh, uh, the content. I'm a member of the a cappella worship leaders uh Facebook page, and they asked for a request for all the churches across the nation and the world to uh, sing "Holy, Holy, Holy," and um, to and it's for this family, the Pitts and the, the Kimberlands, and we're gonna do a #hashtag Sawyer song, and it's his favorite song. And on their web page, they have a uh, the young man he's leading the, the song, and so. There's a lot of tragedy in that family and, uh, and you know, around that area. So what we're going to do is we're going to move out this way, and you need to move down. So I know it's a little inconvenience. Robin's going to be standing in the, up in the balcony. If you can't see the camera where Hutch is at, you can't get, What we're going to do is we're going to go through. We're all, it's going to be recorded, and we're going to post it on this Facebook page. And so uh, we'll be a part of a a multitude of others. So if you would, fill in looking that way. There's a screen right there.
5: Just let me know when you're ready. Thank you. Let me know when you're ready. Go ahead. I just didn't want to start yeah. get the beginning
4: here we go
2: <coughs> <laughs> All right, so if you're behind Roger. They can't see you in the camera. I mean, if you're in front of Roger, they can't see you in the camera. So you're you're good well, right that's here. fine.
5: Well, here, I'm going to try and turn around. All right. And then I'll... He's good. All right. So
2: we'll sing two verses of this song. <clears throat>
0: Holy, holy, holy.